Welcome to the Oxford Human Rights Hub seminar series podcast. This is a podcast with Adam Wagner, barrister and founder of Rights Info. Adam Wagner is speaking at the Oxford Faculty of Law on the 12th of May 2015 on the topic Human Rights After the Election, Near Miss or Apocalypse Now. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Oxford Human Rights Hub. What I want to do today in this uh, very timely moment is to try and decode a bit of what is going to happen, or what is likely to happen, or what is possible or possibly going to happen to human rights protections in the UK over the next few years. There are, there's a huge amount we don't know yet, because it's so early in the, uh, after the election victory, which I think is quite unexpected for pretty much everybody. We do know some things, and we can definitely piece together a relatively coherent picture of, of what is likely to happen, I think, based on what has already been said. So I'll try and do that, and then I'm going to open up to discussion, because I think it's a, it's a very interesting discussion to be had, um, both practically and in principle. So the plan is, what will they do? So what will the Tory party do, um, and what can we do? Um, and I, I, I didn't deliberately do that um, to create a, an opposition between the Tory party and this room. I'm not sure that's uh, not the case, but it's as in what will the, gov- what will the government do um, and what can we as people who care about human rights do to um, make sure that these fundamental protections remain in place and that what happens next is as good as possible an outcome for human rights in the UK. Um, so what, what we definitely know is there is a 12 seat Tory majority, um, very large in comparison to what we expected government or a coalition government. So in those terms it's a big win for the Tories. But in another sense it's a very small majority, it's almost as narrow as it could possibly be. They needed 326 seats to win um, they need 12 in effect 12 more seats. Um, 12 isn't very many and isn't very many in the uh, parliamentary system where you have to get over half the votes. So what does that mean? Well, the first thing we need to look at is probably the primary source for discerning the Conservative Party plans for the Human Rights Act um, is the manifesto, um, which said a few things about human rights, but not particularly said. Um, the first thing it said was this We will scrap Labour's Human Rights Act and introduce a British Bill of Rights which will restore common sense to the application of human rights in the UK. The bill will remain faithful to the basic principles of human rights. Signed up to the original European Convention of Human Rights. It will protect basic rights like the right to a fair trial, the right to life, which are a central part of modern democratic society. But it will reverse the mission proof that has made human rights law being used for more and more purposes and often with little regard for the rights of wider society. Amongst other things, the bill will stop terrorists and other serious foreign criminals who pose a threat to our society. Using spurious human rights arguments to prevent deportation. So that's the first paragraph, and there's, another, there's one other. We will reform the human rights law. We will, we will reform the human rights law in our legal system. We will stop prisoners from having the votes and have reporters suspected terrorists such as Abu Qatar, despite all the problems created by Labour's human rights laws. The next Conservative government will scrap the Human Rights Act and introduce the British Bill of Rights. This will break the formal link between British courts and the European Court of Human Rights and make our own Supreme Court the ultimate arbiter of human rights matters in the UK. We will continue the 
So, so far, pretty good. Um, definitely scrap the Human Rights Act and definitely replace it with the Bill of Rights. That, that will happen if the um, majority government gets what they want. The big question is what's going to be in the Bill of Rights. So it's all very well to say we're going to get rid of one thing, but what's the thing we're going to replace it now just for those in the room who aren't legal experts, let me just explain for a second what the kind of human rights system in the UK sets up. And this is really in a nutshell. So what people in the UK have had since 1953 is the European Convention on Human Rights, which we signed up to as an international treaty. It's now 47 member states, covers about 800 million people across Europe, but also in Turkey and in Russia. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty expensive system. The European Convention has a court. So, um, from 1998, the court went full time. There's been quite a significant amount of applications to the court and a lot of judgments. Uh, but the court, the, the commission, which before the court, um, has, was making rulings against the UK since the 70s. So, what a European Convention means is that a person in the UK, if they feel their rights are being Breach can take the case to the court in Strasbourg. If the Strasbourg court rules against the UK, then the UK has an international legal obligation to abide by the judgment. That's what it says in the convention. You have to abide by judgments of the European courts. If you want to get really technical about it, the, that binds the UK in international law, not in domestic law, which will become quite important when you get to the bits later. Because what it means is the UK state has a duty to do something about the judgment. But it doesn't actually mean that UK law changes immediately. So if there's an act of parliament that, say, uh, allows police to keep DNA profiles forever and ever, no matter what, how they got them, the Strasbourg judgment against that act doesn't mean the act changes. What it means is the UK state is under a duty to get a change in the law. It's not to go through Parliament. Um, and it's what you call it. It's, it's a dualist system. So you have international law, you have domestic law. Um, it's a bit understand. And it's certainly quite difficult for many of the MPs um, who are dealing with this stuff to understand. That's the European Convention. There's also the Human Rights Act. It came to force in October 2000. And what the Human Rights Act did was bring in the European Convention rights. So the right to life, the right to torture, the right to privacy, the right to free expression into UK law. So instead of having to go to Strasbourg and then there'd be a, a judgment and binding international law, and then you have to get on to do something about it, instead of going, doing all that, you go to your local courts and you can say, Judge, my human rights being, um, my human rights being breached by a public authority, a school, or a hospital, or a um, member of, um, or a local um, MP. And you can get a judgment, and the judge can do certain things about it. They can give damages, they can tell Parliament that the law should be changed. It's quite a powerful system for individuals. It's much more powerful than the, um, the European Convention in itself. Both still exist. So that's. that's um, so the manifesto isn't the only place to find clues about what the Tories are going to do. There's also a much more detailed policy document released in October, um, which Dominic Grieve, QC, who was the Attorney General, until a few months before this proposal was 
release and uh, so I think in many cases there's a misunderstanding about what people have done. Many cases are I think when who's in a number of calories that's And in actual fact, the irony is that 
Tory party would be the Eurosceptic Well, I mean, the entire Tory party. It's a big bugbear. Article 8 being used by foreign criminals to evade deportation. So, either you take it away from completely, which I don't think is going to happen, or you do what the Home Office has been trying to do for years and years, which is make judges change the balance or, or encourage judges to balance very heavily, put very heavily on the, on the weighing scales the um, crime and very lightly on the weighing scales any other factors, including family life. Uh, so, I mean, it's already part of, of it's already been legislated uh, because that's one of the strategies that the Home Office has used to get Parliament to legislate change the balance. So, I think that's what they'll, they'll put back into the bill. Um, there's stuff about common sense, there's responsibilities, um, but it's all a bit vague. And there was meant to be a draft bill of rights um, shortly after. So it said in October 2014, the language was going to publish one shortly. It will be, be well before the election. It will be open for discussion. But that never happened. Um, the the rumour is that the reason it never happened is because David Cameron got cold feet and decided this wasn't a great, um, this wasn't the win any votes putting out a detailed bill of rights that might cause more trouble than it's worth. So, we don't know. The other thing we know is that Chris Grayling, the former Justice Secretary who wrote this paper, has been replaced by Michael Gove. And what that means, we have absolutely no idea. Um, so, number four, limit the use of human rights to the most serious cases. Trivial cases will be struck out. The use of the new law will be limited to cases that involve criminal law and the liberty of an individual, the right to property, and similar serious Tory matters. Sorry, similar, <laughs> <laughs> similar serious matters. Um, it's, uh, there will be a threshold for which convention rights will not be engaged, ensuring UK courts strike out trivial cases. Um, well, welcome to um, some procedural rules. That, that is exactly the law of the law now, not built into the Human Rights Act, because the need to build into the Human Rights Act, because um, David Innes said cases which are so silly and unimportant that they should trouble a court. In Innes cases, cases which are abuses of process, um, cases which are um, abuses of procedure, can already be struck out. Will this be, will, if they're going to import a kind of serious case, threshold into a Bill of Rights, A, will it meet the, um, will, it have, will there be a problem in Strasbourg? Difficult, because it's sort of, uh, you can still go to Strasbourg, so the people still got a remedy. And B, what will the judges do with it? I mean, what does it mean? What does serious mean? Well, the judges will love it. They'll love having a, a couple of years and trying to figure out what serious means. Um, but you can, you can pretty much guarantee that they will, um, they will set the threshold low. Because, and, and all of the human rights cases that the government are worried about would way, be way above that threshold. I mean, leave, being deported and leaving your children here and the, 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 the right to vote. These are obviously serious cases. So, I don't know. It's, again, it's a bit fluffy. Five, the Bill of Rights would incorporate the ECHR rights but also clarify them to ensure that they're applied in accordance with the original intentions for the Convention and the mainstream understanding of these rights. Um, 
So including adding civic responsibilities. So civic responsibilities, that's the one quite important new thing. Not, not necessarily a problem for uh, the European Convention or the, or the Strasbourg Court having importing some sort of element of civic responsibility, because arguably there is more there already. Um, amending the real risk article 3 test. Now that stands out um, as a difficulty. Because of all of these, of, of, of what I've already referred to, of all of the things I've referred to, I think this is the one which will potentially will automatically lead to a complication for Strasbourg. Because you can't, what, what they're talking about is the um, in deportation cases, someone is being, or, or removal cases, someone's being removed to a foreign country, foreign state, and say they're being removed to Uganda. Um, and there's a real risk that they will be tortured, or there's a real risk they will be um, humiliated because of their sexuality, or there's a real risk that they will be put in prison for their political views. You can't deport them. Um, and it goes back to the case called Chahal. It's long a long-standing European court principle which isn't going to be undermined now. It's too late for that. If you really were to amend the real risk test, you would simply end up straight away in Strasbourg. Strasbourg would say, we, we, we're not having that. That's, um, that's a clear breach of convention. You're going to have to change your Bill of Rights. Um, so that would create a complication. But I, I don't know whether this is that would go through Parliament. And then we come to that. Um, no one will be able to claim human rights to allow them. Well, this is, this is all the same stuff. Um, and then finally, six, limit the territorial scope of rights protections. Again, this is another one that's going to be a direct clash with transfer um, if it's implemented. So, what this is is so the British Armed Forces overseas are not subject to consistent human rights claims that undermine their ability to do their job. Say. And then they're essentially saying human rights apply to the UK, um, which is directly contrary to what's been said in cases, um, particularly the case with Al-Scaly and the case with Al-Jeddah, which was about the British military in um, southeastern Iraq and the Iraq war, where the European Court of Human Rights said if a contracting state, so this state the convention has, Control, effective control over a particular area or a prison or a uh, or a building or whatever in a foreign country, then human rights protections apply there. Uh, the irony of this provision is it would not just take away the rights from the um, from the victims of, of military abuses; it would also take away the rights of soldiers to that who have successfully used the Human Rights Act to claim for faulty equipment. In, um, in Afghanistan, there was a very important uh, two cases called Smith, which were about whether the Ministry of Defence can, can wriggle out of um, claims against them for not having proper equipment. Soldiers who had lost limbs or died um, in their bad land rovers. So, there's an irony there. But again, this would be, if this actually was implemented, we just don't know if it will be. Again, this is a direct, obvious clash with Strasbourg on its way, which makes the point. Um, um, so what's going to happen? That's, that's the uh, rough idea of what they may do. I think there's four possibilities. First one, uh, Bill of Rights Max. All of the things, all the shopping lists that I just 
but to you, uh, which really are a, um, a, a list of things that irk a series, a particular group of MPs about human rights legislation, all those things, foreign criminals, soldiers, prisoner votes, all of those things will go in, will go through Parliament, it will be very heavily whipped, and it will be law. That's the human um, rights max possibility. I don't think that's very Bill of Rights medium. So, very radical aspects will not be in the bill, but will be negotiated away. Sorry, will be in the bill, but will be negotiated away during the parliamentary procedure. Now, this is the playbook which the Ministry of Justice in particular has used for every single piece of major legislation that it's, uh, that it's brought, uh, that it brought out in the last four years, particularly, most notably, secret courts. Uh, legal aid, judicial review, all three. Bill came out with all sorts of horrendous things in it. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to stop killing babies, and we're going to um, take away the right to, to crash out, whatever. Um, everybody jumps up and said, this is dreadful, this, these ones in particular are laughable and ridiculous. And then got to Parliament, all of the, laugh the really laughable and ridiculous stuff got knocked out, everybody felt good about themselves, and the, the true there's a sense of the Venn diagram that was the policy purpose got through. And that's always been the playbook. So don't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that is the playbook here as well. And if the real focus is rebalancing the um, convention, beginning the process of undermining Strasbourg, um, and a few of the shopping list of, uh, of things that we're worried about, about human rights, getting rid of them, maybe actually making it, it only about serious cases. If, those, if that's the real focus, then that, I think maybe the, that may be what happens. Bill of Rights Mini. So, so this is just a rebranded between Human Rights Act. It's, it's perfectly possible that that would be all that can be accomplished. Uh, assuming that the Conservative Party wants to implement the Manifesto Province, they, are, they have a very small parliamentary majority there's at least three um, senior figures in the Tory party, Ken Clark, Donald Reed, David Davis, who will be who will probably find two from there, you would hope, against these proposals. That gives them a six-person majority. It's going to be and, and that's but that's also assuming that the other, the other parties don't vote for the bill, which we don't know. But in the negotiation process, in the uh, if the real focus is just getting the thing out and doing as much as they can with the majority they've got, you might find a rebrand and a tweaked Human Rights Act, which has a bit of rebalancing last late, a uh, section two removed, maybe a little bit about, a little sort of preamble about Strasbourg judgments and the creation of a parliamentary committee to implement Strasbourg judgments. Not so bad, but, um, but that could well be the outcome. And then, of course, the final possibility is the Human Rights Act just remains. Um, because they can't get it through Parliament, which would be sort of a mixed blessing um, if you think Human Rights Act is a good idea, because one of the big issues with the Human Rights Act is this kind of very supercharged public debate where people really get angry about it. And if, and if there's a, a feeling that, well, we can't do anything about it, all we can do is be angry about it, I'm not sure how helpful that is to creating a human rights culture in the UK and making sure that these rules are sustainable. For the future, but then again, equally, uh, the one number one, number two, Bill of 
right amounts of filarite medium would probably be unstable as well, because if the Labour government got in in the next election and these um, bills of rights were seen to be problematic, then they would, put in, they would have a new bill of rights, and every new parliament would have a new bill of rights, and that's not really a bill of rights at all, that's just a kind of election manifesto made into an act, and then um, and then got rid of. So if you want to create something that's really stable, stable, ideally, you're doing something which has some sort of consensus. So I think the most likely outcomes are two or three. But there really are too many unknowns to, to say which. Um, what can we do? Um, we being the people who care about human rights in the UK. Just five things that Deconstruct and um, 
and de detoxify before actually putting out a positive edifice. And in fact, you spend so much time, I'm guilty of it as much as anyone else, spend so much time uh, demything, de if that's the right word, or de uh, myth busting, that you sort of forget what your um, meant, what this stuff's meant to be about. It's not about it, it's about they're gonna they're gonna prove rubbish, whatever you do. Michael Goat isn't the enemy yet. So um, we don't know what Michael Goat's going to do. So uh, there's no point in um, in calling him the Antichrist as people have been doing um, before um, before he is the Antichrist. You know, um, I think it's lawyers and human rights activists have got into a basically familiar room because Chris Grayley was was such a kind of cartoon baddie. Um, and he was so good at antagonizing we just have to just have to wait to see how it goes. Um, and then finally, number five, have a plan B. Human Rights Act. A lot of people think it's perfectly sensible, conservative policy, piece of legislation, works pretty well, could be improved in little bits and little ways, but it's all right. Um, that's not a reason for um, making it into a um, panacea or some sort of um, fetish for human rights activists. It's just one way of having a human rights system in the UK. Um, the question is, the real question is whether the current government is interested in developing a human rights system which is sustainable or, as is perfectly possible, is more interested in knocking down parts of the human rights system because of bugbears with particular cases. If the latter, then, has to be a big fight. If the former, and at least there's a possibility that's the case, then it's possible to be a bit more constructive. So that will be my plan. So those are the five things. And then finally, just a plug for WriteInfo. Um, WriteInfo is a new website which I launched three weeks ago. Um, it's about providing clear and reliable human rights information that isn't slanted or, um, or, or hysterical or screechy. It's just about what do human, what human rights are, what do they do, what do they do for me, what are the big human rights cases, what are the big wins for human rights, what are the cases we're not so sure about. Just putting it all in a format that anybody who doesn't know anything about human rights can engage with and understand and not have to read an eighty page yet to um, to get older. Thank you for listening to this Oxford Human Rights Hub podcast. To find out more about the Oxford Human Rights Hub, please visit our website at www.ohrh.law.ox.ac.uk. The Oxford Human Rights Hub Global Perspectives on Human Rights.